the difficult thing is grapes tend to only grow between 30 and 50 latitude. And mm -hmm. so if you notice, if you look at a map, there's wine regions all along this 30 to 50 latitude band north. And then if you go below the equator, 30 to 50 south. And there's not much going on in the middle. Hey guys, my name's Koki. I'm a wine student from Canada and you're watching Folks Alert. Welcome to Folks Alert. My name is Kiko. My guest today is Koki from Canada, wine student, wine connoisseur, wine expert. You have all, you're all above. How are you, Koki? I'm great. Thank you. How are you doing today? Pretty awesome. I'm really excited to be here and chat a little bit about wine. Wonderful. We, we did the pre-interview and you were telling me that you were expecting snow. Did you guys actually get snow? Oh yeah, we got um, just like assaulted by snow. I'm looking out the windows and it's all white. Everybody walk into the stores from outside just like covered in white snow. Is it? <laughs> why is it this time of year? Because we went through Christmas, we went through January, and it seems like always when we come out at Christmas and the holidays, it's we get a snowstorm. Why is that? I don't know. I think it's good luck. I love the snow, so it's um, super exciting for me. <laughs> it seems like everybody thinks I'm crazy when I say that, but I think it's so beautiful. And um, I don't know, it can get a little slushy when the salt mixes in and it gets warmer, but, and if you're driving, it's probably not ideal, but otherwise, yeah, I love the snow. I don't know why we get one in the spring-ish time. <laughs> right, going, going into summer, always, never fails, never yeah. fails. Okay, listen, Koki, I I'm happy to have you here today. And uh, it's perfect for, for you to come here today because yesterday I had Valerie. Valerie was on talking a little bit about wine, but a whole lot about cheese, and the history of cheese. So you coming right after her talking about wine, I, I, I think it's a, it's a great, it's a great match. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you're a student, right? But tell me a little bit about yourself and what is yep. what is this thing about wine that that got you so drawn in yeah so um when i was younger i watched this movie called psalm and it's about these people who study so hard day and night um just about wine and they just learn um every name of every appellation basically everything you can imagine so i um i got really inspired by that i thought it was so cool to be obsessed with something to such a degree and I definitely wanted to, to do that. I mean, I was only 17, so it was a little bit early for um, 
the wine scene for me, but it was definitely um, sort of like some sort of obsession that I had in the back of my head until I was able to actually enroll for courses in wine. Got you. And then you got, you know, you're in school now. Okay. So that obsession has carried and, and followed you into adulthood, right? Yeah, totally. So um, now I'm 22. Uh, I, I go to University of Toronto studying Bachelor of Arts, just kind of um, general studies. And then I also um, am studying wine at two different schools right now. And I work full time at the Four Seasons Hotel uh, restaurant serving wine. So it's a full time wine life that I live. <laughs> Pretty much everything except for drinking the wine. I don't do that very much, but um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. It's basically my dream life. So I'm so prepared to be living it and studying, learning more every day. Let me ask you this. You, you, you look at this movie, then you get fascinated with this wine. What does your family say when you started having this, this interest in the wine? What are your family saying to you? Yeah, I think my family is pretty excited about it as well. They're, um, they definitely like the perks of being able to learn from uh, me when they're in the store or save some money when they're having a party. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I also love putting on little tastings for my family. So I think I think they're pretty excited. My my parents are definitely supportive of the whole process because it's a pretty difficult investment at first um, for someone who's you know studying at university and wine school. It takes a lot of um, financial support, sort of speak. So I've been really lucky that they've sort of given me a boost and um, keeping track of everything so I can pay them back one day. <laughs> I think you will, but. When you graduate, what what would this what would what kind of degree would you have? Would you I don't know. Would you be like a wine yeah. expert? What what would that what would that be? Because obviously so you're, you're gonna, yeah. gonna use your degree in that field, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, my University of Toronto degree isn't super applicable to wine. It's kind of history and English, so mm-hmm. it definitely helps with the writing and the ancient history about wine. But um, when it comes to my wine degree, that's going to take probably three more years, at least, of constant studying. Like, I see it as um, five to eight hours a day studying wine for the next three years. And then I'll be a master of wine, hopefully, or master sommelier. Um, and yeah, that's something super exciting. People spend 10, 15 years just trying to pass this exam. So definitely three years is a very hopeful um, <laughs> uh, sort of like... Um, thing to thing to hope for but we'll see what happens I'm really ready to work hard and yeah some people never pass the exam so it's not the master program is not really like a degree it's more of a exam that you hope to pass but um, I think the pass rate is like three percent so we'll see wow. now even in your work right and you're going to school mm-hmm. I okay I go to a restaurant Right. Um, just random restaurant. And I'm going to have a dinner. The wine that I choose with my dinner, does that play a role in how I enjoy my meal? Does that have any play in, in into that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's part of the reason that you have a sommelier in a restaurant is to help make sure that your food paired well with your wine. Um, a lot of people 
think that there's a right and wrong pairing. I really don't agree with that. I think that um, people, I'm, I'm just excited to help people find the wine that's the best for them. And so if that means that they're going to be having a wine that's super against all the pairing principles that I study, then that's the wine for them. And if they want that, that's, that's my job to get it for them. But then there's also um, some structural components as well that, that I um, learned about studying. Uh, like, uh, I, I really like the component of like, the person who made this wine, what were they eating probably in that region? And so that can help you really um, make up a nice pairing. But also then there's basic principles like really big red wines would go with a meat and a really lighter wine would probably go with something lighter and you wouldn't want to have super big red wine or something like scallops or um you know something really light so that they're kind of some basic principles but um i think cookies and milk is the best pairing and just trying to match that sort of caliber with my wine so you're you're telling me when someone goes to dinner there certain restaurant has a particular like a, a certain person who's familiar with wine in order to help the guests or the customer yeah. pick their oh, why do yeah. I know that? I thought that just so the way that, the it's way that just not comes all restaurants. Uh-huh. But you would expect a wine a restaurant with a significant wine list to have a dedicated person, uh, particularly high end restaurants because they tend to have more wine. We'll have um sommelier sommelier however you want to say it and then nowadays more trendy wine bars are starting to have people who are knowledgeable about wine which is exciting too because i i don't think it should be just for expensive restaurants but um, that's kind of how it is now okay now when you go to dinner right do you find yourself picking three four wines sampling it you know you going to dinner for yourself you know you you and your friends going out how does that how does that work out are you the person that said, okay, Koki, you pick the wine because you're the... Yeah. <laughs> Usually I'm the one picking the wine. Um, I I always am a big proponent for champagne and other sparkling wines, and actually they pair pretty much well with everything. So if you're not sure what to pair with a food item, go with champagne um, or other sparkling wines. That's usually a really inoffensive option, so I love to pick that one. An exciting, celebratory... Um, but yeah, cocktails are really big. So that also kind of falls under the sommelier categories. Cocktails and sake and beer um, are also things that I learned about. I want to play a clip. Speaking of champagne, you were giving your tips on New Year's Eve uh, on why people should pick champagne. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be that expensive. You know, you can find good wine and good champagne at your regular grocery store. So let me let me play that clip and I want to come back and I want to I want to uh, I want to talk to you about that. All right. Yep. Hey, guys, I have a new wine for all of you. Dry white wine lovers. Dry meaning not sweet. This is called Muscadet Sorli. When there's a complicated wine name, often that means it's better value because people don't normally go for it because it's so complicated. So if you can get over the complicated name, buy the wine and you'll probably save some money. It's very delicate. You're going to get sea spray lemon aromas it's high in acid which means it pairs beautifully with lots of different food mine right here cost me 16 dollars do you want to celebrate new year's eve but not spend all your money on champagne cremant is also made in france just like champagne and it's made in the exact same way as champagne but the difference is it's not from champagne which is a small region in the north of france so you can save a lot of money because there's way more supply for cremant all around france now do you when you go how do you decide okay 
and I want to get back to the, the champagne for a minute, but when you, you're going to these grocery store and you're picking out these wines, are you have a, a list that you pick from to say, okay, I'm going to talk about red wine today, or I'm going to talk about champagne and, you know, the, the history and the, how this wine is grown, the grapes and the area, the world that it's planted. How do you come up with that process of your, and match it with your content? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, for my studies, I have a big list of wines that I need to get to taste and they're kind of a, a big spread of the whole world of wine. And so uh, I do have a list for that. And recently I've been sort of working on making more intentional content. So that's um, definitely something I'm working towards is having more scheduled posts where in the past I kind of just wing it. And as I'm studying, I'll just all of a sudden make a video really quick uh, with no plan. And, you know, it's fun, but yeah, having more scheduled content, I think, I think that's something I'm working toward. And uh, yeah, working, getting wines based on that would be pretty cool as well. Okay, take me to the grocery store because we all got grocery store and they have uh, a wine or, a, you know, like the beer aisle where they have some wine, right? And I yeah. see the wine, I, I see, I see the wine. I, I'm not a wine drinker. So you're saying that those wine that's in the grocery, we can find good quality wine at the grocery store. Yeah, absolutely. It depends on the store that you're going towards, but, uh, or that you're going to, but, um, yeah. Like what do you, if you were going to have a wine, what would you normally have? Oh, I can help you find one. I, I don't drink wine though. I, I, yeah, me I, either. I don't, I don't drink wine. So, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. Right. But I mean, okay. I, you I like would... cider? Yeah. Yes. It's cool. Okay. Well, there's this wine from Italy called Asti, and it's probably the most lovable wine. It's low in alcohol, uh, and it's a little bit sweet. It's super fruity and sparkling, and that's like my number one recommendation for someone, and it's available pretty much everywhere. It's really inexpensive. It comes in super large format, so it can be super celebratory. Um, that's what I would, I would recommend that as a great starter wine. I'm a big fan of cider myself. And um, everyone that I give Asti to is a big fan of that. A-S-T-I. It'll blow your mind. Okay. Walking into the store and someone's watching this right now and they don't know anything about wine. Okay. Mm -hmm. What would be your three things to, in order to choose your wine? Red or white? Okay. For, oh. Let's start. Let's start. Okay. Let's start with the color. Should they go with red? Should they go with white? So it's so tough. Uh, I really find liquor stores an unfair situation for the consumer. <laughs> they're they're so right. They're so difficult to navigate, and there's basic. They rarely have helpful people in the store. Um, they're just labels everywhere. So right. I would. It's difficult to give advice. I think it's just a really difficult, unfortunate situation. Um, like. It depends on if you're maybe if it's summer, you go white. If it's winter, you go red. That would be if you don't have any previous preferences, I would recommend something like that that matches your mood. Or if you're feeling like you're going on a patio, maybe some rosé. That's kind of the typical cliche um, reasons to have different colors of wine. But it's really tough. Your best bet would be to call someone who you know and who loves you to help find a, a wine for you because the grocery store or the wine store is a good place. A disaster. 
does the alcohol amount in the wine matter or no? Yeah, so if you have a high alcohol wine, um, that would be 13.5 to 15%. We're going to consider that a fuller bodied wine. Whereas if you have one that's less than 12.5%, you're going to be looking at a lighter body wine. So that's kind of a, that's a pretty good um, framework to go in with. If you want something fuller bodied, go high alcohol or lighter bodied, lower alcohol. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So definitely look at the, the, the alcohol amount in the wine. Yep. Okay. Now your social media, uh, you, you, you got a nice little movement on there and primarily all your content is about wine. What is the, what are some of the comments you get in your DM? Do you people ask you in your, your DM for a wine recommendation? Uh, what, what, what do your DM looks like? Yeah. A lot of people ask about wine recommendations, um, food pairings, they want to um, ask if I know about a region that they're that they really like that's kind of niche or have you tried wines from here um, it's really sweet I have a lot of people messaging me saying you know if you're ever traveling come visit me in this place right uh, a lot of people asking if I'm an alcoholic <laughs> which is fair okay well you could you could be you know people who drink wine a lot I could be but it would be a good reason it would be a good way to live <laughs> Yeah, but for you, you're just tasting these wine because you're doing it for school. So yeah. you, you have to taste it. Now, uh, you just mentioned region a, a moment ago. We have France. Uh, there is a particular area in France. And I, I only learned this because of the Jay-Z buying Ace of Spade or something like that. And he had to get a, a, an agreement with uh, a champagne company because that's the only way. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. That was the only way for him to, for it to call champagne. The grapes have yeah. to come from that particular reason. Yeah, they absolutely do. And that's the case for um, pretty much everywhere now is um, things are getting really strict. Back even, I don't know, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, you could make wines anywhere and call them a region. Like you would have wine from California called Chablis, which is actually a region in France. And now that would totally be not allowed. You can't call anything champagne unless it's from champagne. Um, the origin is becoming a really, really big focus in the wine world for sure. Okay, so the origin and where it comes from. But mm -hmm. California, they're particular. They're very particular with their wine as well. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Chardonnay is coming from California. Yeah, Chardonnay is kind of California's signature wine it's big and oaky and um sort of like if you like buttery full body vanilla cinnamon nutmeg baking spices in your chardonnay and it's like pineapples and mangoes that the u.s is definitely the place to go you're going to find chardonnays from france and the rest of europe that are much more restrained and fresh so um california has definitely made an imprint in the chardonnay game and made its own style why hasn't california take a stronger stand to say okay we we are claiming chardonnay or that was originated oh. from france I'm, yeah listen, that, I'm was, just, that would be difficult listen they, just, they would have a difficult time what why is that though because they've made their imprint yeah. on chardonnay you know i like this question um well so chardonnay has been a huge part of france for hundreds of years like i don't know definitely hundreds of years 
I want to say like 300 years. It's a huge, huge deal in France, especially in Burgundy. Actually, Champagne also has Chardonnay in it. It's a huge, huge part of French wine culture. And so I think they would have a really hard time getting France to um, allow them to take Chardonnay. I don't know that there's any specific region that claims a grape variety that won't let anyone plant it somewhere else. So Chardonnay is actually a grape, by the way. Okay. If like in that, if that makes it more make more sense. So California has like its own Chardonnay style, which is super rich and and like very sweet, right? Over yeah, like not sweet in the sense of sugar, but it smells sweet and it smells yeah. in delicious and like desserts. But then the French ones can be more like lemon and lime and zesty, and right. so I think. That that's a big difference, and California's definitely claimed to that style. Okay. The grapes that's planted in France, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I go if I go to if we go to France, right? We take a trip to France, mm-hmm. and particularly to grow these champagne. Can we just grab those like a group of those grapes and plant it in Florida or where you're at? Will we get the same quality of grapes? Yeah, so you can totally go and um, clip. I don't know if you can just, I doubt you can just clip someone's vine, but you can buy a vine clipping from certain regions um, that are really famous. So you can say, Uh I have a vine clipping from this part of France, this vineyard, and that hopefully means you'll have the best chance where you take it. And um, you can take it to the U.S. and plant it. But the difficult thing is grapes tend to only grow between 30 and 50 latitude. And Mm. so... If you notice, if you look at a map, there's wine regions all along this 30 to 50 latitude band north. And then if you go below the equator, 30 to 50 south. And there's not much going on in the middle. And so if you're in somewhere that's a little bit too warm, you're not going to have a lot of luck with um, wine, normal wine grapes. There are exceptions, like if you have some super cold geography situation going on, then maybe it would work. But in general, in Florida, I think it's a little bit too warm. There's definitely wine going on there but for the same quality it would be a little bit too warm i think so you even even on the map it, it has to it has to, you have to be in that particular region on the map yeah. in order to get that quality i didn't know that yeah or the vines just don't make it like in the if you go too cold then the winter gets too cold and they'll die in the winter and then if it's too hot there's just not enough um acidity in the wine in the end so it's just overripe if you think of like a fruit that should have been picked a while ago it just doesn't have that punch to make it delicious anymore so that's what would happen if it was too warm gotcha you recently went to you recently went to california yeah right and uh actually you know let me let me play this clip right then we'll come back and talk about you being in this what in in this wine cellar right (laughs) because um it, it seemed like you were, it, it looked like Halloween, but it wasn't Halloween. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> it, it did, though, right? I'm here in a wine cellar in Napa Valley. This dates back to the 1800s. The mold may look gross, but actually, it's a good thing. You may also see cobwebs, and those are perfectly normal, too. Mold is actually a good thing because it means that the environment is humid. Humidity is important because it keeps the cork plump and preserves that seal between the wine and oxygen. So 
next time you see mold in a cellar, don't get grossed out. Compliment the person who owns the cellar on how great of a cellar that is. What, what was it like going there? Yeah, so a lot of wine regions that you visit will have underground cellars. Th and that, is, that is underground, right? That one's underground-ish. It's kind of like in an alcove situation, but it has the same same components of an underground cellar. So when you go in there, it's like it's cold and it's moist and it's echoey and there's mold and cobwebs, especially in Champagne. Like I was in Champagne in the summer and it was probably 40 degrees outside mm -hmm. and that you would go down 30 meters into the ground and it would be freezing. You need to bring a sweater. Um, and it's just such a big difference. And that's where the wines do their best aging. So if ideally you can have a cellar at cool temperatures, you would. And that's kind of the idea. The mold helps to um, keep the air clean and just it really facilitates great aging for the wine. So that's actually kind of like, um, I know that some of the German winemakers pet the mold. It's like their little pet and they go in there and like caress it and talk to it and stuff because it's so important in the process. Right. Now, I would think it being in a bottle is one thing, right? Does the, is the, I would think when you're making wine, it would be in one of those wooden barrels to cure and, you know, mature. But this is not the case. You're saying it being in the bottle, it will still give it the chance to, 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 to mature and, and, you know, age properly, right? Yeah. So you can age wine in barrels or you can age it in bottle. Um, it's aging in barrel is sort of a faster aging process. And then once you, once it's bottled, it will age slower and differently. But, um, you can have, like, if you see a wine that's really old from, I don't know, 1982, and it's in a bottle that says 1982, that's going to mean that the wine is from all that, all from that year. And it was probably bottled a long time ago. And that wine is going to age very differently than a wine that's been in a barrel since 1982, which I don't even know if that's actually a thing anywhere for that long. But um, yeah, wines still age in the bottle amazingly. They'll, uh, they really show their age. Like if you're blind tasting and you've practiced a lot, you can tell the difference between two years and four years of age in a bottle. You would? Yeah. Wow. Oh, oh, in wood or a bottle. Okay. It being underground, does light have a play a factor into that too yeah that's a really good point it totally does and so um in often in those cellars that one was actually not still used anymore so they had more light but often it's so dim in the cellars and especially in the big champagne houses they don't want you to use any flashes on your phone uh to disturb the wine mm, it's a whole process mm. yeah it is you can okay. understand why they want to protect their name. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. You know, um, it's a whole process and, you know, there's a lot of history behind these wines, right? Oh. Because when they're making it, you know, you're saying, like you said just now, protecting their name, you know, they're very serious and very meticulous about this, this, this process. Yeah, actually, like, I was reading this book about champagne and the history and even in the wars they were just because france was a big a big battlefield in both world wars and um there's stories of people with shells falling on them harvesting their grapes and they have to harvest them but the war is going on 
it gives me goosebumps to talk about, but they, some people died while they were harvesting the grapes, but it was such an important part of their culture and, and their income and everything that they had to get those grapes in to make wine. But people, it was just bloody and like crazy in the vineyard. So you gotta get those grapes in. So they'll really do anything to make their wine. And it's uh, something there that's their identity. Let me ask you this, and I want you to be objective. What would you say is the best brand for wine and why? Mm -hmm. You know, on your list of wine, give me your, your top five list of wine from the most expensive, you know, champagne. You could put champagne on that list. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, go ahead. Put champagne on that list. Give me your top five. So I really like champagne. Champagne is, I don't drink normally, but champagne is the one thing that I, I make exception for. Um, there's one producer in champagne that I've only had once. It's so good. It's called, it's called Dom Perignon. You've probably heard of it. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. And then if you're talking about more affordable, I think that's like $250. But if you smell, if you know what you're smelling kind of thing, you can just smell your soul and you could just smell the wine for hours. Like the, the real experience for me in wine is smelling it uh, usually. And I can just smell a wine and that pretty much gives me 80% of the enjoyment. So that's um, a pretty cool thing when it comes to champagne. You can really tell the difference in the quality level. Um, but for a more approachable and um, I mean, approachable is, is a hard word for this, but I like Veuve Clicquot. It's a more, like, a less expensive champagne, but still super expensive. Um, I think it's like $65 in the US, maybe 70 So that would be my champagne favorites. Um, and then other wines that I like, there's this little region in France called Sauvignier. S-A-V-E-N-N-I-E-R-E-S. And they make this really interesting white wine. It's dry, so it's not sweet. It's um, floral. It's like a little bit of honey smell. Mm -hmm. A little bit of um, this like sour thing resembling sort of like cheese. It's amazing. So I really like that. And then in terms of great value, if you want to talk about reds, Chile has always amazing value. They have this grape called Carmenere and it's like a little bit spicy. It's not actually spicy, but it smells kind of like jalapenos. And in, um, from Chile. it always delivered. From Chile. From Chile, yeah. So we're back to our 30 to 50 degrees. We go over the right. equator and then we're back down. We're 30 to 50 degrees again. Chile and Argentina fall right in there. Okay. Does yeah. Argent so, and it's spice. It's got a zing, you say. Yeah, it's like, it's just got the smell of like, Green bell pepper, some people say, but to me it's spicier. Chile specifically has this spicy, spicy note. So um, if you spend $15, $18 in Chile for a red wine, you're going to really get your value. I would say more than anywhere else in the world. Okay. I wonder what, I, I wonder kind of, I wonder kind of what kind of grape they're using for that. Yeah. So the grape is um, called Carmenere. That's a super spicy one. And then they also do some Cabernet Sauvignon, um, which is a full-bodied wine or grape as well. Um, yeah, those are kind of the two big ones in Chile. But I wonder how they got the, did they fuse that grape with, with 
pepper? No, like it's just kind of something, it is a variety specifically, um, but it's also once you plant a grape somewhere else, like you were talking about Florida, maybe if you planted this really great grapevine in Florida, it would start smelling like watermelons or something. And that's okay. another part of the, what makes wine interesting is that different places where you grow grapes create different flavors. And so that's also partly why Champagne is protecting their name is because you can't create the same product anywhere else because it's specific. The soils are chalk. Like they're actually like the chalk that you draw on the chalkboard with. They, you touch them and your hands are white. That's really special and that's the Champagne soil. So there's different things that make different areas create their own wine I, I, and, and I, something I, right away. I gotta go there. I gotta I got see this. Right it's there. crazy. You're saying the soil is chalk. Yeah, here, hold on. I actually, I actually have some right here, so you can see. That's the soil? Yeah, this is from Champagne. You gotta be kidding me. So it's like, my fingers are now white, see? Yeah. So it has an impact on the wine. And that, and that soil and is nowhere, in, nowhere else in the world. Uh, you can find it in a, in a couple of places. I'm not exactly sure where, but um, the chalk, the density of chalk is just like, it's a big thing for champagne and um, yeah. Okay. Uh, what's, what's next for you? I, I mean, I know you're doing the social media thing. Um, do you plan on holding some private tasting? Uh, I, I spoke to Valerie y yesterday She's got this thing called Cheese After Dark. You gotta go. You gotta go watch her interview. Okay. Okay. She's I will. After, her thing, Cheese After Dark, where once a month, where they pick four cheeses and wine, and they tell the story behind the cheese. Right. And they have sixty chairs lined up in the market where she invites sixty people, and they taste each cheese and they talk and have stories. So Amazing. and you and you came to mind. Because you remind me of Valerie. So, what what's next for you? Do you um, would you consider doing something like that, or holding like a tasting in a grocery store? In a grocery store. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just, I just you know. Yeah. Well, I the the program that I want to so the master level that I want to achieve is going to require so much focus and dedication, mm -hmm. and um time so that's definitely my my number one thing is being able to whatever i do um be able to focus on that but um yeah wine travel is something i really love so i can get little rocks like my champagne chalk <laughs> and cool maps right. and uh, try the grapes from different vineyards so i i'm hoping to do more of that once i graduate from university and i love doing private tastings as well so um yeah we'll kind of see where where it all goes but my primary driving force in my decisions is definitely um, the studies. I also actually am interested in doing some Chinese social media action. And so I've, um, uh, I'm sort of working on that. China has a huge growing wine market and I actually grew up speaking Chinese um, for, I had a Chinese tutor, so I, I can speak Chinese and that's something that uh, is a really big asset in the wine world because there's a really booming wine scene in China. You, so may have a, you, you may have a career as a linguist. 
We'll see. <laughs> Maybe talking to wine. You know, you may. I want to show you something, and I want I want you to tell me what what were you doing here in this in this uh, in this video? What what is this? Where you were doing? Um, you were sampling different fruits. What is oh, this? Yeah. Yeah, so um, something that you have to do if you're going to be able to smell something and throw out a bunch of descriptors like wine is you have to taste all these different things and in their different forms. So you need to know what like lime skin tastes like and green apple skin versus just green apple. You need to know what they taste and smell like. Um, just like weird things. So I even go and I think I burn an orange peel piece in this video. And that's something like... If someone says they smell burnt orange peel, what what does that smell like? Well, I have to know what those things smell like so I can better identify wines and um, better describe them. So it's definitely weird. Like I keep flowers till they're way past their their bloom and I keep them till they dry. And you have to know what a flower smells like when it's been dried for a day versus two weeks. And then right. you can say like dried roses, super dried roses, just like different descriptors. So it helps with the wine tasting. All right. Question for you. We know wine, champagne usually come from grapes. And you were using all these different fruits to get different scents, different smell, texture, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Can we can we take another fruit, maybe an orange, a lemon, mango, and make wine out of it? Totally. Yeah. So we can. Yeah. Yeah, you can find it um, in the grocery stores, actually. I've seen it um different kinds of like blueberry wine i've had um yeah just different types of fruit basically anything that like that can uh that has sugar you can do the same process wonderful okay we'll, we'll try that maybe i'll try that you know <laughs> making i keep thinking i want to make my own wine on the counter too but i feel like a lot more i'll try, I'll try it <laughs> listen um yeah I, I really enjoy your videos, you know, uh, the short clips, you give me a, an education, a brief education on, you know, the history of wine or whatever you're talking about, a certain champagne. Uh, you do that very well, you know, you do that very well. And I think you should, you should do more of that. And I would love to see more of what you have in store coming. Thank you. You know, the Chinese wine thing. I, I would, I would like that. I'd like that. But, but you won't be able to understand, would you? I mean, obviously you would. Um, listen, I, I, I spoke to Valerie yesterday a little bit in French, so I can learn. Oh. I, I can I can learn, but I'm, I'm sure you would have a subtitle in the bottom of what. Oh, saying. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to do separate videos, but maybe I could. I mean, what what kind of videos do you like? I'm always looking for ideas. Um, I like the ones that when you you explain what you, you give in history of the wine, right? Those, those videos are, are I, I like those because not only your sam and then you're sampling the wine, but you're telling the story of the wine, the mm -hmm. region it come from, why is it, it tastes the way it tastes, you know, that's very informative for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that. There's always there. I'm never going to run out of wines to do for that. So. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think you are, you know, do uh another question for you do it probably is difficult because wine is considered an alcohol right so mm -hmm. if a company wants to send you their wine 
to sample how how would they do that yeah they just they do i mean i know that in the states because i'm in canada it's different uh where you have difficult states where some states are more complicated than others canada is very strictly controlled especially ontario it depends on your province but ontario where i am it's very difficult to get wine so um i have had wine given to me to sample but i don't know that it's super easy for american producers to just send it over um i think the big ones will have figured it out but yeah there's definitely a lot of laws and even if you travel and bring a wine home from somewhere into canada you have to pay tax like almost 100 percent. so it's right. it's really really right. tough right if you go to like in the airport you can buy the wine and like duty free or something like that right yeah duty free i think is different but if you're trying to like if you went to this cool small producer in france mm -hmm. and you want to bring a bottle of their wine home i think you're allowed two bottles before you have to pay tax and um the tax is not friendly, so it's kind of a deterrent. But anyways, about about wine sampling, yeah, I have received a lot of wine samples, and I I love to um, to taste them. I don't usually post. Um, I haven't posted any ads actually up to now. I don't like to give um, bias. I don't like to have bias in my wine reviews and wine talking. I think that the wine world is already full with enough, uh, full of enough scary things where people are just uh, feel like they're being sold all the time in restaurants and stuff like that. Right. So I, I, the wine people just need to be like spoken to in a friendly way. And they're, they're not, wine doesn't need to be scary, but I think a lot of people make it scary. So I'm very cautious about doing paid promotions on wines because I really want people to feel like it's a safe space where they're not being sold and where they're just learning and um, it's friendly and fun. So that's, that's kind of my focus. So I, I don't usually feature wines that are sent to me or haven't yet unless they're actually really good then i'm so happy to give like free free coverage all the time cool cool yeah koki it was a pleasure having you here i, I want you. you i want you to come back you know hopefully <laughs> okay. hopefully um we can arrange something valerie will be here in new york doing oh, awesome. a master class um I, she don't have a date yet I need you. I need you guys. I need the two of you to talk. Okay, you know, that's you guys. You guys need to talk. You know, I I wanna I wanna introduce you to. Okay, I would love that. So, she sounds um, amazing. I want to go visit her in Australia. A lot of history. She invited me, uh, and I I told her I will come. You know, um, she's got a wonderful store there. So yeah, um, I will introduce you guys because I think it's important for you guys to you guys to speak, right? Absolutely. But. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was awesome. Definitely. It was a pleasure. You're more than welcome to come back anytime. Koki, again, thank you. And uh, say something in Chinese before we go. Say goodbye or something. Okay. Bye, Jen. Bye, Jen. All right. You take care. Okay. See you later. All right. Bye.